0: we On stick to football, we're going to mix things up. We're giving you draft on draft first because everybody likes dessert before dinner. That's the great thing about being an adult. And then we're going to dive into the NFC North, breaking it down, previewing it. And I just want to say, Mellow Connor, it is not a penalty to go horns up or horns down on stick to football. I'm here for both. And I m2 <laughs> <Kind> <laughs> of. Okay.
1: i think it's a stupid rule for them to go horns down as a penalty but at the same time it drives me absolutely nuts uh because the creative side of it like if you want to have a cool hand signal go make one tcu did it like everybody can do it stop throwing the horns down be a little bit more original
2: yeah let them have fun i mean i don't care i, I definitely think it's it's probably ran its course Already, and this is from the only non-Texas fan for now on this podcast. I think it's kind of old. So for now, I I don't think they should penalize these things. It's just let them have fun, man. At, At some point, they're trying to control every aspect of the game whether it's, you know, after the whistle uh, or after the play, it's, it's just really getting tiring. Yeah, I know this wasn't
0: on the rundown. I just threw it out of left field, but people, I'm sure people assumed that Mello and I were like on board with this penalty. I think it's bullshit. I will never forget being at the Red River shootout. And I think it was Baker Mayfield scramble for a touchdown. And he runs into the end zone and he goes horns down. And it motivated the whole Texas sideline. Like, it is a motivator for us. Will Greer did it. We broke his fucking hand. So, like,
1: do it all you want. (laughs) That is the best story of somebody going horns down of all time. Like, oh, he threw the horns down, and then, like, the next
0: series, boom, broken pinky. Just don't do it. All right, let's jump in. Draft on Draft is going to lead the show tonight, and then we're going to get into the NFC North. Garnett, 478. Will there ever be a fullback inducted into the Hall of Fame? And if so, which one? I will say that there are two that I've ever seen that I think are Hall of Fame worthy. Daryl Johnson and Lorenzo Neal. Okay, so I'm on board with Lorenzo Neal. I definitely think he
1: should. And then also, I definitely think Mike Allstott should be in the conversation. And the fact that there's not a fullback in the Hall of Fame is bullshit. I mean, you should be able to dominate your position like those two guys or even three guys did and make it into the Hall of Fame. I mean, it's not their fault that they play a position that not very many people utilize anymore. They dominated their position. One of the greatest of all time at your position. Put these guys in the Hall
2: of Fame. I mean, I'm with you all the way. Lorenzo Neal was phenomenal. And then you look at Mike Allstott. It really doesn't get talked about enough, but it, he was a premium player at that position when it, it really mattered. A Super Bowl champion, six-time Pro Bowler, four-time All-Pro. Three of those were first-team All-Pro. So you're talking about being a good stretch of being the best at that kind of situation. I mean, double-digit touchdowns one year in, in 2001. So I don't know. It's I, I'm with you all the way here. I, I think it has to be a part of the conversation. I know some people won't like it because they'll be thinking about the modern game and the way it is now. But those guys really, really used to be difference makers in an offense. They really did. Allstad is a great example of it. Like low was, I mean, he was a lead blocker, but he was,
0: if he was leading the block for you, you rush for a thousand yards. It was just guaranteed. Uh, I remember I'll throw a way back here. I don't think he's all famer But William Floyd is the reason I love fullbacks. If if you're a new listener, you haven't caught on to this yet. We love fullbacks as stick to football. And, and he's a big part of it. Rocking that number 40 for the 49ers back in the day. Tom Rathman, another solid candidate. Uh, here's a fun fact. Marcus Allen was actually listed at fullback for the Raiders. So technically, there's a fullback in the Hall of Fame because he was listed at fullback while Bo Jackson played tailback.
1: Yeah, And Lorenzo Neal and Mike Allstop played together for one year with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Did they really? Yeah, their goal line offense. I mean, how do you even stop? That? I mean, Nebraska. Oh I'm playing linebacker. I would have literally shit my pants if I see Lorenzo Neal go down into the three point stance and big ass Mike
2: Allstott is right
1: behind him. Yeah, you know, two point. And then yeah. a little bit of work done is back there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. The Considering power
2: how eye. brutal the position is, Neal played for like 15 years. That's crazy. Can you imagine the toll that takes on your body and you're just out there for, I mean, 15 years at that kind of level? It's unbelievable. And I'll say
0: this. I do Lowe's radio show often throughout the season. He is one of the best radio hosts that I get the pleasure of interacting with as well. So the man, he's just good at everything he does. Next question from at J underscore P underscore G 89. Would Jacksonville have made it to a Super Bowl if they had drafted Deshaun Watson instead of Leonard Fournette? Given that everything else was the same, I've never thought about this before. I think, yes, I, I think they would have had a shot to beat the Patriots the, that year. What was it two years ago? I mean, Fournette was good, but that defense was nasty, and you just needed someone who could make a couple of plays. I guess the revisionist people are going to be like, well, Deshaun Tours ACL, so he wouldn't have been out on the field anyway, but. Let's just cool the fuck down. I think they I think they would have beat the Patriots.
1: And I'm, I'm going to say no. I really like Deshaun Watson, but he would have been a, a rookie, and that's a different kind of player. I think what Fournette was able to give to that team was good enough to keep them competitive because they just turned around and handed it off, and he just went right down the middle of defenses, took time off the clock, let that defense do their thing. So I'm going to disagree, but I mean definitely looking at it now, they sure as hell would rather have Deshaun Watson.
2: Yeah, it's hard to say they would have made one already in just two seasons, but I would have a lot more faith in the future of their franchise if they took him. And I would say Deshaun Watson's going to make a Super Bowl in his lifetime. I, I mean, I know we throw around the term "winner" sometimes, and people get that's you know that's bullshit, or that, but Deshaun Watson is the kind of guy that just at every level he wins. He wins in the biggest moments. And I think in Houston, while they haven't always put the best talent around him, uh, specifically on the offensive line, uh, the connection he has there with Hopkins, he'll be there a long time. And if he could stay healthy, he'll be in a Super Bowl. And I think that would have been the case no matter wherever he goes. All right, guys, Dante Lentz. If you were the head of the NFL Players Association,
0: what would the top three changes be that you would push for? Are there any must-haves in order for the deal to be reached? Would you change the structure of rookie contracts or... Let me scroll, change the franchise tag rule. So uh, this is like one of those weird things. I know Connor and I have talked about it a lot lately. Mello's been in on it a little bit. Like, this is one of those things that you, like it's our job to cover, but you only cover it like every, like once a decade. So you kind of like forget how it works. My first uh, year at Bleach Report, I think, is when the, the first, the last lockout happened, excuse me. So it's like, we don't live in the world of CBA a whole lot, but here's what I would ask for. I would have asked for... Um, no more drug testing for marijuana. If you want to test for PEDs, that's fine. Uh, but I would say no more testing for marijuana. Let uh, Just decriminalize it in the NFL, much like they have everywhere else. So that's number one. Number two, I would want the franchise tag to be a one-time use only. You get Each team gets one. You can use it for one player. The third thing, I would want a larger share of the revenue pie. It's currently at 47%. I think it should be 50. Uh, or if not
1: higher than 50 uh, because this is a player's league. People show up to see these players play. They should dominate more than they do. You look at like the NBA, these players get whatever the hell they want. And the NFL, for whatever reason, the owners are still pretty much dominating the CBA, but I'm with you on the franchise tag. I don't really like, it. Uh, I don't see how it's even fair. I think they should negotiate that. And like you said, if, if they can't get rid of it completely, then maybe they should look at limiting it and saying you can only be used on the franchise tag. One time you get one player per year and if he's been franchised, you can't do it on him again.
2: I'm with you all the way on the franchise tag. That's one that has to be adjusted. The fact that it can be used three times is literally insane. And I do think it should be a one and done. And I think the number should be higher even. Mm-hmm. So you really, it you should make it. So how it's structured encourages teams to get long-term deals done where they're saving and don't want to have to use that franchise tech number it should be viewed as really a placeholder as a negotiating tool to slap on what is it four or five extra months of negotiating before that? that's what it should be Mm -hmm. used for and that was the original intentions and teams have really begun to abuse it because you look at how deflated the running back market is salary wise you look at off-ball linebacker versus defensive end, things like right. that come into play. Wide receivers, tight ends, teams are teams are really abusing it. It's a huge problem with it. I think another thing, and and I can't, I would actually love to ask a retired player a lot about this, but uh, I know the health insurance debate is a big one, and I know players are covered, and there's vested players that do three years of time. But overall, I do think that's something that has to be prioritized in every agreement. I think all these players that are out there, you know, really, it's a huge risk. And I know they're accepting that risk, but I do think they have to be prioritized with the best healthcare coverage possible.
0: Yeah, I, I like that a lot. And I do think it is the responsibility of the current players to take care of the former players. You know, like they they l- laid the road for everyone else, right? By just like we were talking about Low Neal, putting your body on the line back in the day. And so I, I think that, yeah, if you are this this round of team representatives for the NFLPA, you, you have to think about one of these days, I'm going to be retired and I would like to have health care forever. This is a multi-billion dollar industry annually, you would think they could take care of their players. I mean, we like we give congressmen healthcare for life and they don't even do anything. I think we <laughs> could give some football players some <laughs> some insurance for life. You guys know I can't like make it a whole show without taking a a dig at our government all right next question wrong no i mean and i don't flip i don't feel like that's a political statement i mean either side of the thing we're giving them a lifetime pension and lifetime health care while the rest of us mellow spider bite how much did it cost uh (laughs) i maxed out my insurance yeah i I haven't (laughs) got (laughs) that bill yet
2: i'm dodging yeah yeah. last time you hit the the (laughs) highest point (laughs) last
0: time i had to take an ambulance ride because of some things it was eleven thousand dollars with insurance it's ridiculous yeah i'm scared
1: to open that bill yeah, I mean, it's going Man, to be thousands don't. of dollars. <laughs> just ghost to Matt's $11,000 ride. It really was. Yeah. Like, I've had some expensive Ubers. God, you should have just went wheels up. That would have been better.
2: <laughs> yeah, more <laughs> fun. Uber X. All right, yeah. this next one from Cheeseburger3. That is one hell of a username. I love it. When scouting players and making big boards, how do you compare players of different positions? For example, how do you compare your number one quarterback compared to your number one edge, so on and so on? What do you guys do? So the way I do it is I honestly think, um,
0: it, so for me, it's not so much like positional value because, and I think that's one thing that like mellow might say, well, quarterbacks more important than, than edge. It's honestly like with my number system, if there's a tie, I pick the one that I have the least questions about. And I know. So like say that we had four guys that are all 7.0s, you know, or whatever. If the quarterback played in a system that I feel like translates better or doesn't have injury concerns or doesn't have character concerns. So I almost do it like that. And like that, that does happen. It happens often because of the number system that I use for grading and people can, I mean, you can Google that if you want to see it. I don't think we just have it somewhere convenient for people to read, but I mean, I have to tie break often. And when it does, it comes down to who do I believe in most of this group? Like who do I want to sit at the top? Like um, a couple of years ago, here's a good example. I had Jamal Adams, Emily Cooker with the exact same grade and they play the exact same position. I put Jamal Adams higher because I didn't have injury concerns with him. And I did with Malik Hooker.
1: Yeah, and I go kind of the same way. When you run into those ties, I try to take out positional value because you're doing your big board based on every team, really. So you don't know what the team need is. So take out positional value, and who would you rather have on your team is just an easier way to look at it when you run into a tie. And I'll tell you right now, I have a tie on my big board between all three quarterbacks and all three running backs. And then there's that secondary group of receivers where you look at guys like T. Higgins, C.D. Lamb. Uh, I don't know which one of them is going to come out on top. So I'm really looking forward to college football season so I can finally figure it out.
2: Yeah, you guys nailed it. I mean, when it comes down to it when you make a big board. Positional value kind of goes out the window. Now, what Matt brought up with the tie is interesting. I had it very recently where in 2018, I had Quentin Nelson and Saquon Barkley maxed out. I I mean, I thought they were two of the greatest players I've ever seen at their positions since I've been doing the draft, but i made Quentin Nelson number one because of really two simple reasons. I I think he'll play longer and I think his injury risk was way less. So when it came down to it and I just felt you always feel safer about an elite guard compared to an elite running back. We've seen so many elite run. I mean, I guess it goes both ways, but that's just one of the weird ways you can kind of break the tie when you find something like that for two players that were just phenomenal prospects. I like
0: that. At B Goodwin 54, which quarterback will rush for the most yards in 2019 excluding Lamar Jackson? So Oh, Kyler Murray. I'm going to go hot take here. You can leave
1: Lamar Jackson in. And I think it's going to be Josh Allen. Oh, that's he a good one. He gets so that's underrated as an athlete true. and what he can do. Uh, he probably can't make the reads fast enough anyway. He's going to be running for wow. his life. So I think that he is. I mean, he's another Cam Newton. He's going to be running often. He has the body type for it. He's going to be able to take the hits. I believe he led all quarterbacks last year in rushing. I think he's going to do it again next year.
2: Yeah, six hundred and thirty-one rushing yards for Josh. I think they would like to lower those attempts though. I mean, this is a guy that since college or high school, he's taking a beating. That yeah. body's got that body's banged up. I don't think you want him running, but it wouldn't shock me if he fuck it, man. Take the yards that are there. I just think Kyler Murray's going to be running for his life.
0: That offensive line is very bad. I don't you know. We've never seen Kingsbury's offense have the quarterback run very much. But I know, like, you don't draft Kyler Murray and then say, Hey, we're playing from the pocket now, guys. Um, no way. My first thought was Kyler Murray, but Josh Allen's a good one. He had almost 700 yards rushing last year, I think.
1: So, yeah. And then, yeah, 631. With Kyler Murray, I know he's very quick and agile, but if you get a hand on him, if you are an NFL player, you should not have a problem bringing him down. Like, one handed arm tackle, if you can get to him, should be an easy tackle.
0: All right, last question from our good buddy Dan Kiefer, whose girlfriend sent me underwear. And I'll tell you they're very comfortable. So I'm not gonna say the name of the brand because it's not free. If they want us, they can have us. NFL players receive a Madden check. What are the roadblocks stopping the NCAA from using this system as a mold to bring back NCAA football? Danny The NCAA. (laughs) Here's the only yeah, the only roadblock is those fuckers in Indianapolis saying no, because the system works and For I know for at least two years I've been on this podcast saying, just let it be a free market system where if you're Trevor Lawrence, you can market your likeness and make whatever you want to make off that. And if you're Kelly Bryant, guess what? You're not going to make the same amount as Trevor Lawrence, but the system is the system.
1: I agree with you. And not only is the NCAA holding it up, it's also the conferences. The conferences won't give licensing fees. Or they they want them and and they're not going to give them up for nothing. They want their part of the pie too, so they're kind of holding back as well. Because I know a lot of people have said, "Okay, we will make a college game. We're going to stop using the likeness." Because usually with the NCAA football game, like you knew who quarterback number sixteen for Clemson was. He's six foot six, two hundred and twenty pounds. You could figure hair. it out. Yeah, but <laughs> the teams now, these conferences are saying they won't even let you use their likeness. They won't let you use their logo or the stadium stuff. So it all all comes down to that, too. Uh, definitely, I think they should get paid. You play these players a little bit, just like a couple thousand dollars, maybe. Maybe even a couple hundred bucks. They're going to want to be in this game, just like people for Madden. And I know everybody's hurt feelings right now because the ratings aren't great. These 18 to 22-year-old college kids, they're going to be thrilled about being in the game, even if it's not their picture. If it's just their name, their position, their number, they're going to be thrilled about it. So it does come down to the NCAA. They're ridiculous. And for some reason, the conferences won't give it up either.
2: And here's the thing. EA Sports would pay whatever they want. It's EA Sports. They have the money. They make so much money from Madden, even though they have to put up so much money for the NFL license. They would make the money back because of the thirst for NCAA football. So oh, yeah, if you're looking for somewhere to blame, it has nothing to do with EA Sports anymore or any video game license, video game company for that matter. It's just that the NCAA blocks it as someone that's dealt with conferences with footage rights that we do a bleacher report. They are fucking expensive to use anything from them. So I, it's it really starts with the NCAA. They need to open the gate to give the the chance for this to happen And then it would be interesting. But I do think EA would pony up the money to the conferences to make it happen. That's how bad they want it.
1: And I would pay so much money for that video game. Like I know that probably goes on market for like 60 bucks is what it used to be. I would double that. I would pay one hundred and twenty dollars to have that game back with no players even involved. Just give me the schools with the logos and the stadiums update those uniforms. You could even re-release it as NCAA 14. Don't do anything (laughs) to the gameplay. I'll pay one hundred and twenty bucks for it right now.
0: I bet you are not alone. All right, guys, let's take a break. NFC North preview starts uh, right now. All right, fellas, it is NFC North preview time. Let's start with those green Bay Packers, bit of a down year last year. They had a strong draft this past off season and really an active off season, which is something we did not see under Ted Thompson. They completely remade the pass rush by signing free agents, Preston Smith. Uh, they bring in, uh, Darnell Savage is maybe a surprise first round pick, but a very good one. And this is a defensive line that also, oh, by the way, added Rashawn Gary to go with Kenny Clark and Mike Daniels. So a good team, but it's all about Aaron Rodgers back healthy this year. Hopefully we'll see what a new head coach, a first time head coach in Matt LaFleur can do with a group that I mean, they're proven. They're ready to go. You have Devontae Adams. You have Aaron Jones. You have Jimmy Graham. We just need someone who can actually get these guys In spots to make plays. Fellas, when I look at a breakout player, I'm going to go with someone from that wide receiver core. Randall Cobb is gone. I'm going to take Geronimo Allison. I think that there has to be someone in this LaFleur system who's going to get open opposite Devontae Adams. It can't all fall to Devontae this year, as great as he is. Last year, Willie saw 20 catches. 303 yards, two touchdowns from Allison, but this will be his fourth year. It's contract year. And I think he's, he's much better acclimated to the pace of the NFL. Now I'm expecting a year where we probably see him catch 60 balls this season.
1: It never fails. Every time I hear the name LaFleur, all I think about is the movie Dodgeball. So that's where my brain has <laughs> been for the last 30 seconds. But my breakout player for the, pa- for the Patriots and for the Packers is Josh Jackson, the corner. I absolutely loved his length, his physicality coming out of Iowa. And I think he struggled because of that, because he was used to playing with his hands a lot, where he could maul these receivers and kind of do what he wanted. I think that he's going to get used to playing at the NFL level where the rules are a little bit different. You have to play more with your feet. I like what he can do with his hands in like ball hawking. I think he can produce a lot of interceptions, even though he didn't last year. So improving that technique and his footwork is going to go a long way. I think that he's going to develop into a great corner.
2: I loved him coming out of Iowa. Yeah. So I, I'm waiting for it too. ball skills for days. I mean, we got to keep an eye on him because the hype was real. And if, if they could develop him, that secondary can really turn things around. I went with Aaron Jones here. I know this is kind of the obvious in the green Bay community, But I felt like someone had to say it. He averaged 5.5 yards per carry last year, 728 yards. He just simply didn't really have the workload to get to a thousand yards, but very, very productive. He can catch the ball. Great vision. Put his foot in the ground and go. I think Aaron Jones, I mean, and that was in 12 games last year. So if you look at a full season's workload, I think he's going to be ready to go foot on the gas. I think they trust him this year to really be that guy. I'm excited about him and think he could be one of those true RB1 kind of players in the league right now. And I think this is a good team. I do. I believe in Aaron Rodgers. I know he's going to come out really pissed off this year. I mean, really, really pissed off. Whether it was the the beer chugging jokes, whether it's being forgotten about because of the God, Pat Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers is going to be healthy. He's going to be ready to go. This team, I have them at 11 and five. I think they made some really nice key additions finally in free agency on the defensive side of the ball that gets them in the postseason.
1: Yeah, and I'm agreeing with you, too, because I think they've needed to upgrade that defense uh, in at least key positions for a while. But they were so focused on Aaron Rodgers and what he wanted and what he needed that they kind of neglected it. And now they've kind of righted the ship. I think they go 10 and 6 this year. They're going to be pushing for the playoffs. And everything you said about Aaron Rodgers, I agree 100 percent. I think he's going to really come in pissed off and motivated, not that he wasn't before. But I think this is going to be another special year for Aaron Aaron Rodgers, and he's going to be back up there being talked about with these top quarterbacks,
0: guys. I I do think it'll be a big year for Aaron Rodgers. I really do, and and I know that over the last nine months, it it does feel like he's been forgotten about a little bit. You know, with all the Mahomes love, and you know Baker Mayfield, and, and Tom Brady still out there kicking ass, and it's just like we kind of forgot about Aaron Rodgers. So I I agree with you, but my biggest hangup is not with this roster because I I like what they have there, and I really like Mike Pettine as a defensive coordinator. I don't know if I believe in Matt LaFleur as a head coach especially as a first-time head coach with a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, who all summer has basically talked about how he needs control to do whatever the fuck he wants. So, and maybe he's earned it. Like, maybe he has earned it. But I just don't know if that, if there's going to be a great relationship there. We know Rodgers has not a good relationship with basically anyone in the world. So why would he like his 32-year-old coach? He pretty much hated McCarthy from the second he got there. Exactly. So I am anxious to see how that relationship works if LaFleur backs up unless Rogers basically take the alpha dog spot or how this goes, but this is still a talented team. Even in a tough division, I have them going nine and seven and fighting for a wild card spot. Small so Chicago bears. I really like this roster. Like really, really, really. Uh, I, I would swipe on this. Which, which way is it? I would swipe right on this roster. I had to do it. I couldn't think of it. They, they're good. And they're, I think the cool thing is they're only going to be better in year two if Matt Nagy. Mark Halfridge you got Chuck Pagano coming in as defensive coordinator, like the the chemistry of the offensive coaches, especially is going to be key here. Mitch Trubisky, a year older, you're year smarter. Allen Robinson, we had him on a couple weeks ago, him being healthy, Kyle Long being healthy and the addition of guys like David Montgomery and Riley Ridley on offense through the draft is going to be huge. We know the defense is gangbusters. I mean, it, they're just, it, it might be the best defense in football with Hakeem Nicks with you, you got Khalil Mack, who's just a stud. Roquan Smith, Danny Trevathan, Leonard Flood, Kyle Fuller, Eddie Jackson, they have dudes across the board. So it's tough to pick a breakout player, or at least it was for me, but I'm going to go with tight end Trey Burton. I liked him as a signing from the Philadelphia Eagles as free agent, and I don't think we really saw him reach the potential or the vision that Matt Nagy has for him. I really do think we're going to see him used a lot more this year as an offensive weapon, as someone that can be moved all around this offense to just find mismatches and dominate. You know, if you're playing the Packers and you look at those inside linebackers, and you're like, this is our mismatch this week. All right. Trey Burton is athletic enough and versatile enough that he should be able to take on whatever you see from the defense.
1: Yeah. And I'm going to stay on that offensive side of the ball because I think everybody kind of knows that defense. So I, I, Really intentionally went with the offensive side. I think Mitch Trubisky does take another step forward, and I think a guy that's going to pay off from that is Anthony Miller, our distant cousin, who is going to be very good this <laughs> don't year. Forget that. Yeah, they do. They really do. We don't talk about it enough. Had 33 catches last year. I thought I had a really good rookie season and really impressed people. Whether it was you know in the preseason, what it offseason workouts. I really like his game and I think he's going to be um, maybe even the number 1 target on this team. I really think that he's going to have a very big breakout year. Not just a hey, I have to pick somebody from the Chicago Bears to have a breakout season, but I really think that he's going to establish himself as one of the top receivers on this team.
2: Matt takes the tight end, Mello takes the wide receiver, so I'm going to keep this rolling. I got the running back. David Montgomery time for Chicago you got to love the kind of player you have in Tariq Cohen, whether it's the outside run game, whether it's as a pass catcher, but this is a team at the end of the day, when it gets down to things, they're going to be in the lead a lot because of that defense they have. And somebody's going to have to run the ball a lot as a workhorse. Tough, tough dude. That's David Montgomery. and And I can't wait to see if he gets the amount of touches. I think he will to hit that thousand yard mark as a rookie and, He he can catch the ball. A lot of people don't realize that with David Montgomery. It gets slept on a lot. I know this show has talked about it for over a year now. We were talking about him at Iowa State this time last year. Yeah, so I can't wait. to. Yeah, It's one of those things where you can have him and Cohen on the field together, and you don't know who's going to get the ball thrown to them. So this is an exciting offense. This is an ascending team. Yeah, tough luck to their end of their season last year, but I have them at 12 and 4. Very, very good team. Great coaching staff. A lot of talent on offense, a lot of veteran talent on defense, and I I think people won't want to play at Chicago this year. I think it'll simply be one of those away games on schedules for teams that they'll absolutely hate. Yeah, When it gets cold up there in
1: Chicago, I think you're right. They're going to turn around and hand the ball to David Montgomery, and I think that he's going to be amazing this year. I think you're right when you say that him and Tariq Cohen can be on the field at the same time because both of those guys catch the ball so damn well you could even motion one of them out to the slot. You could go split backs out of the shotgun. So many options with those two guys at running back. I'm going to say they're going 11 and 5. Maybe that's a little bit disappointing. If you haven't learned already, I'm very pessimistic. I'm not going to overshoot on your team. I think it's 11 and 5 here right now. But one of the best defensives in football, and when you look at their quarterback, I think he can have another good year, especially with those running backs in the backfield.
0: Yeah, it is going to be a good year. You guys have talked so much about the offense. It's just this defense, man. And last year, I will say to my grave that I don't think Khalil Mack was completely like in football shape. And I think he wore down toward the end of the year. This year, my man's going to go off. And let's not forget, Roquan Smith was one of the best linebacker prospects that I have ever seen. And he was a little bit late getting into the season. I think they're going to be even better defensively. Can we just like stop? underrating Mitch Trubisky as well. The dude played very, very well last year in the first year of a system, really his first full year as a starter. I think we see him take a very big step this year. I have him going 12 and four, and I would not be surprised if they are the number one seed in the NFC North when it's all said and done or the NFC, excuse me, when it's all said and done. There were huge expectations last year for the Minnesota Vikings. They had almost made a Super Bowl. Then they bring in Kirk Cousins and everyone's like, oh, my God, they they're probably the favorite in the NFC. Uh, nope, not so much, because I think we forgot who Kirk Cousins was. But we will all be watching this year. At offensive coordinator John D. Philippe is gone. It's a it's a new team, but really the same roster, even though you bring in guys like Irv Smith Jr. through the draft. We're excited to see what he does. Garrett Bradbury, their first round pick, uh, hopefully will anchor and really solidify the middle of that offensive line. They have some competition for Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison, who was a third round pick. So we could see some new faces get mixed in with a lot of the same old same on defense. They bring back 11 starters, guys. So this defense that was so good last year under Mike Zimmer. All 11 starters come back. Everyone basically in the secondary returns as well. So they're going to be very, very impressive defensively. My breakout player, I'm going to go on the defense. I think it's Mike Hughes, a player that I know we were all big fans of when he came out of UCF as a corner. Uh, just can can really play physically. I had a round what great on him. He could play up in your face. He can bail. He has the ability I think with ball skills as well to make himself a name as a, one of the best corners in the NFL this year as we start to see guys like Pat Pete drop off as you know he gets suspended gets older there's now you know room for someone like Mike Hughes to come in and really make a name for himself and and I'll say on top of that it would not be a surprise if guys like Trey Waynes and Xavier Rhodes get moved this season at some point because of the emergence of Mike Hughes yeah and they've got
1: another good corner if he could just stay on the field and Holton Hill that's going to be very good I'm actually going to go with the offensive line. We all know that they struggled last year, uh, but I like the addition of Garrett Bradbury very, very much. I I think he was one of the best linemen in this draft. He's going to step in, play center. You're going to move F-line to, to guard. You have Riley Reef at left tackle. I think that this offensive line is going to be much improved this year. And a lot of that is to do with Garrett Bradbury. I also think that Brian O'Neill can take another step at right tackle. If they can get healthy, if they can get everybody on the field at the same time, they're going to be a very good team in the NFC North as well. And I think a lot of that is going to happen with the running game. And so they're going to need that right tackle spot from Brian O'Neill, who was a very good player out of Pitt. And I actually think he outplayed his draft position last year. I'm really
2: looking forward to seeing him play next year. Year in 2019, I went with Mike Hughes as well. I thought outside of Denzel Ward, I mean, he was really the next guy up in that class out of the corners for me. He was my number two corner, so I think he has a ton of talent. It's crazy that you know he fell right into Minnesota's lap. I know the injury sucks, but he's playing very well before the injury, so I think he's going to come back. Like Matt said, he's going to kind of take on a bigger role there. He he can knock out some of those guys out of their starting spots. He's that talented and. And we're going to see, you know, how long Xavier Rhodes' future is there. So Hughes was a great pick, and and he's a really good player. Great ball skills, can really take the football away, and he's electric with it in his hands in the open field. I'm not a huge believer in this team, and that's unbelievable to say because they are one of the most talented teams in all of football, but I have them at 7-9 and because I just can't get behind not only Kirk Cousins leading the charge, but Kirk Cousins with an unproven run game. That's what it comes down to right now. You can put out Adam Thielen, Stefan Diggs, Kyle Rudolph. Those guys are great. Irv Smith's there now. The offensive line has improved after, you know, it had a rough patch, but it has improved and they have talent there now. I don't know if Dalvin Cook ever stays healthy. And I don't know if Kirk Cousins is ever the guy to win you the big game in a division where you got to play two of the best teams in football in Green Bay and Chicago. So I know Vikings fans aren't going to like it. If I'm wrong, I'll live with it. I just see this as a seven or eight win kind of team right now.
1: Yeah, totally with you. I have them going eight and eight as well. Just like you said, these are two of the best teams in all of the NFC. When you look at the Bears and the Packers and the Lions, maybe won't be as great, but they're still going to be a tough play because of the rivalry within that division So, I have him going eight and eight as well. I'm just not sold on Cousins. I think he's an average quarterback. He can get you to the playoffs, maybe win a Super Bowl if you have a very good defense and run game and you surround him with everything. They're just not there yet. They have a lot of good pieces. I love the secondary. I just don't think that they're there yet. So sorry, Vikings fans. Eight and eight, middle of the road, probably won't make the playoffs.
0: Yeah, I have them missing the playoffs, guys. I'm at seven and nine. I just don't trust Kirk Cousins. And uh, I know, like, he had his moments in Washington, and he was, he's a, one of the only players getting fully guaranteed money as a veteran, but I just don't think he's that good. And he has his games where he looks great, then he has his games where he throws multiple picks, and those tend to happen in bunches for him. So I, I just don't know, man. And, and Dalvin Cook, I don't know. Are we ever going to see the Dalvin Cook the Florida State fans promised me when he was coming out of college? Because it started to feel like we're not. I mean, when you draft a running back in the third round after your second round running back can't produce, I think the writing's on the wall. So we could see, I love Mike Zimmer. He is a hell of a coach, but I, I think there's a lot of pressure on this team to turn things around. Speaking of pressure to turn things around, the Detroit Lions, uh, this is a big year for Matt, Patricia, and crew. They need to... Not only win, but they need to prove that this belief that we're going to win with our players is true. That now that they have like the culture installed, right, that now they can win with their type players. You guys know the casting crew because it really hasn't changed a whole lot. Matthew Stafford still. I think he's still the most talented, not great quarterback in football. Because he he has everything you look for. He just can't ever put it together. Hopefully this is the year. I mean, they add TJ Hawkinson, they add Isaac Nada. The offensive line should be more solid this year. My breakout player, though, is wide receiver Kenny Galladay. Someone who, when you talk to guys who are pro scouts in the NFL, they love Kenny Galladay because his size, 6'4", 215. He's physical. He's a monster on breaking routes. You might say last year was a breakout because he had over a thousand yards, but he only had five touchdowns. I think this year we really see him take that next step and get close to double-digit touchdowns.
1: Yeah, and everything you said about the Lions right there, there's it's true. I'm going to go with a homer pick. Here I'm going to take former Texas Longhorn Quandre Diggs because I know he's a veteran guy, but I don't think he is appreciated enough. He was a sixth round pick out of Texas undersized. Nobody really thought he was going to excel in the NFL. And I think he is quietly becoming one of the better safeties. In the NFL, I know that he's small, but he can come up. He can play in the run game. Uh, He's good enough in the slot with corner. I really like what he's doing. His game is very similar to the way he played at Texas. He's all over the field. He's aggressive. Maybe doesn't have the ball production that you want out of a guy. Uh, He had three interceptions the last two years, which is okay. Uh, I really like him. I think that he's going to start to put himself On the map, especially in a Matt Patricia defense where they're going to allow him to be a defensive weapon, move him all over the field, let him blitz off the corner like he can let him play that strong safety position where even though he is undersized, he's like a, a Tyron Matthew type player. And I think a lot of people need to just give him a little bit more attention because he hasn't had it yet.
2: And a lot of people forget one of my favorite players in the National Football League is on the Lions, and it's the second year, Frank Ragno, Frank the Tank. I think this dude is awesome. Uh, He played guard last year. I think going back to center will really do him wonders. I know he played both while in college, but I look at Ragnow and I just think he could be an elite interior offensive lineman, especially uh, purely as a run blocker. And with Carrion Johnson there. Now this team kind of has a new identity on offense where Matt Stafford shouldn't have to drop back and throw the ball 60 times a game anymore. You kind of should get away from those days where you could have a, a tough run first kind of mentality here this is where it gets disappointing after all that love for Ragno and the new identity of the offense. I only have them at three and 13. I, I think they win three, four, five games. I think it's a rough year for Detroit. I'm not a Matt Patricia guy. I've already heard rumors that it's kind of playoff or bus there right now in Detroit. And man, if you're sitting in a room and someone tells you playoffs or bust, and you're sitting next to the Packers, Bears and Vikings, I don't like my chances at all. So I'm sorry, Detroit. I just think it's one of those things where I don't know if I'll ever believe in this coaching hire as much as there's a lot of aspects of this team that I do like. They have stars on defense. They have I'm a Matt Stafford guy. I think he's really, really good and doesn't get the love he deserves. But just the overall direction of this team, starting with the head coach, is very hard for me to believe in right now.
1: Yeah, and I have them at 5-11. and 11. I think they're going to squeak out a couple more wins. Uh, but when you look at the schedule, I don't like to read the schedule off to you guys that are listening. They face it's the tough, Cardinals. Man. I think that's a win. You can beat the yes. Cardinals. But then they have the Chargers, the Eagles, the Chiefs, and the Packers. Oh, and then the it's Vikings. Insane. That is a tough stretch of games right there. So the Lions, they're probably going to struggle. They do have some good pieces. They've got some young guys. Uh, I love T.J. Hawkinson. I think Stafford's going to definitely look to him early and underneath and not just take the top off the defense all the time carry on johnson had a good rookie year last year they've made improvements on the offensive line i just don't know that they're ready to compete with the other three teams in this division it, it's a it's a trend going on here there are very good teams usually three in the division and then there's a bottom feeder and sadly this year i think it's going to be the
0: detroit lions yeah someone has to finish last right i mean no one wants to admit it but Someone has to suck and I am not as low on Detroit as you guys. I have them at six and 10. I do think that there are enough weapons offensively now with the addition of Hawkinson. And I know even though we don't see rookie tight ends usually have huge years, I think he's going to be an exception. And I like, I like this defense, uh, especially with the addition of Trey flowers. They have some very good defensive tackles. They've drafted. Well, we've got some linebackers to be excited about. But it is a tough schedule. Like you said, Melo, there are very few games where you run through the schedule and you're like, oh, that's an easy win. Like that, oh, you know, th- here's five easy wins. They don't have a year like that. So I'm a little bit higher on them than you guys at six and 10, but still feeling like this will be a one club drafting in the top 10 of next year. Let's take a break. We come back, we'll give out that division hardware for the NFC North. Division MVP time for the NFC North. And I am going to spoil things a little bit because Mellow O'Connor. Connor, uh, they do this all the time. They pick <laughs> the same person. <laughs> and I got to the rundown late today because I was assembling furniture. Thank you, Ikea. And um, so I was like, you know what? I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to pick the same person as them. I'm going to take Khalil Mack because we have not been giving enough defensive players, MVP love. I'm going to do it. We're going to see. They close. don't get it. <laughs> right. That's why. That's why I'm changing the game. I think we get close to 20 sacks this year from Khalil Mack. That puts him as division MVP for me.
1: I think that he could be up there, obviously, but I'm also predicting a big year from Aaron Rodgers, who is a big name, and if he has a good year, if he gets back to his Aaron Rodgers form, he's Mm -hmm. definitely going to win the MVP of this division, if not the entire NFL. I, I think he's going to have a very good year. I've said it many, many times, so I think he's the obvious choice here for MVP, and I think Connor's going to back me up.
2: And little do the people know, me and Mello don't agree on these episodes because it's what we believe in. We do it just to piss <laughs> off Matt. So, that sounds right. <laughs> it's Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I don't know. Besides Chris Sims, who is infatuated with Aaron Rodgers, as many of you know, I don't know if there's a show that's more excited to watch him this year. I mean, Matt wanted to trade him in the off season. Yeah, me and Mello think he's going to win the MVP or be in the MVP conversation and lead this Packers team again. So. Yeah, for me, it's Aaron Rodgers. I can't wait to see him come out and just uh, just do what he wants. I mean, fuck Matt LaFleur, honestly. Aaron Rodgers, you could do whatever you want. Yeah, I, I like
0: Rodgers. I know that like there's this idea that I actually don't like him. I do. I just think he's a very complicated individual. And he okay. is, though. He,
1: yeah. I'll go opposite on you. I don't like him. I just think he's very good at football, which is a common trend with me and quarterback.
0: Yeah, okay. Well, there you go. All right, wait. You don't like Pat Mahomes? He's the like one quarterback. Okay, he's the exception. Okay, all right. Division defensive player of the year. I just said I think Cleo Mack More, can get twenty sacks. So, <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be Cleo Mack. I don't think anyone gets close. I don't either. I looking at this this division,
1: like there are some good defensive players, but you might have the best defensive player in the National Football League. And I think you're right. He's gonna get close to 20 sacks. I think he gets at least 15, if not more than that. So he's got to be the clear cut winner for division defensive player of the year.
2: I know I lost the Minnesota fans when I said seven and nine, but I'm going to bring them back right now. Daniel Hunter should be in this conversation. Oh, he should be. That's the guy. If teams just triple Khalil Mack, which probably won't work because they got a lot of good <laughs> players on that defensive line. I think Daniel Dani- Hunter Hunter's great. He's like 23 years old and he's a double digit sack guy already so if we're looking for i know we did this with another division i believe it was the afc west because pat mahomes plays in that division we said if not him who and for me i think it's daniel hunter
0: yeah i would also throw out Jair alexander i think he could have a huge year yeah i mean he was very good he looks good yeah yeah all right let's move on boys Rookie of the year. <laughs> uh, Boring. <yes. laughs> Sorry. It's obvious. It's David Montgomery. A third round pick that we all think is going to start a running back for the Chicago Bears. And you're playing a Matt Nagy's offense. Here's what's funny. Or maybe it's not funny. Maybe this is just obvious. My comp for David Montgomery was Kareem Hunt. And now you get drafted to play in the offense that made Kareem Hunt so amazing as a rookie. I think David Montgomery has a monster year.
1: Yeah, I think he is the overall rookie of the year this year. I think he will take it for the NFL. He was my number one running back coming out. We've already talked about how great this guy can catch the ball. He's the perfect fit for this offense, and I think Trubisky's going to find him again. Like He might have a 60-70 catch year if they really put him on the field a lot and make him that number one running back. The thing that jumped off the tape first for me with him were his hands. He catches the ball so well out of the backfield. Plus, he's 230 pounds. He's going to be able to absorb those hits. He's going to be able to play 16 games. I love David Montgomery.
2: Yeah, if you guys remember when I interviewed him, I said, where are you watching the draft? And he goes, I'll be at the gym. So I think he's going to be ready to go. (laughs) I mean, he'll be ready to go. He's got some Frank Gore in his game, which is just it's going to be incredible in that offense. But moving on, division's most improved player. And there's a little trend here between you two taking different running backs in this division.
0: Yeah, I went with Aaron Jones. You guys mentioned him earlier as a breakout player. I really do think he will be. I, I was so mad last year watching Packers tape. of like, why are you guys not featuring him more? Like He was your best running back. Give him the goddamn ball. And they just wouldn't do it. So this year, hopefully Matt LaFleur uh, coming in from that system with Tennessee where they just... I mean, they fed Derrick Henry, and I know these are very different players, but I, I think we'll see Aaron Jones yeah, become one's good. a focal point. One's oh, not, <laughs> well, I agree. I think we'll see Aaron Jones become a big part of this division and and a name that not just like fantasy football and Packers fans know.
1: Yeah, and I'm going to go with the Minnesota running back. Uh, Dalvin Cook, we have talked about him. He did look very good coming out of Florida State. That speed was special. If he can stay healthy, and that's a big if, I know. But if he does, I like what he's done on the field when he's actually on the field. Uh, He can even catch the ball out of the backfield. He only played in 11 games last year. Still caught 40 balls out of the backfield. Rushed for just over 600 yards. This offensive line, I love Garrett Bradbury and the improvements they've made. So if Dalvin Cook can stay healthy, I think he's going to be the running back we thought he was going to be coming out of Florida State.
2: And who better to end this show with than Mitch Trubisky? I think Mitch gets quite the reputation for being a guy that was along for the ride last year. And there were definitely games where that was the case. There was also games where he went out, balled out, and won the game. So I think you're looking for most improved player. I think this is the year that Trubisky ditches that. Hey, he's going to come in and manage the offense kind of label, kind of reputation. I think he's going to come out and show that he could be one of the better quarterbacks in the a top fifteen quarterback in the league in that upper half where you want to be mentioned. So I'm excited for Trubisky. I, I think coming out that year, obviously we've seen so much good play already from not only just Mahomes but also Watson. Where I think people have been underwhelmed at times by Mitch, but he was really young when he was drafted. He was a one year starter from UNC. And I think he's in the perfect place to grow into a really good player year number three.
0: And we saw it last year with a guy named Jared Goff, and he did it all the way to the Super Bowl. So just saying, crazier things have happened, right? <laughs> and then everybody's, oh, this quarterback's not that good. And oh, well, now he's in a Super Bowl. And I know people are still saying it. I know, that yeah,
1: that's what I was going to mention. Like, people are still talking about how Jared Goff isn't good, which is ridiculous. And Trubisky had a very good year, and I think you guys are right. If it weren't for Pat Mahomes and Deshaun Watson being in the same draft, we would be talking about how great Trubisky his career has and the good year that he had last year. But you have two of the best quarterbacks in the National Football League drafted in the same draft, and they got drafted behind you. So people are going to talk about him and they're kind of going to dog Mitch Trubisky, even though it's it's really not fair.
0: Yeah, it's, it's going to be a fun year, guys. The more we do these previews, the more excited I get for football, which is like... Fifty days away, right? Is that
2: right? Fifty days. I think it's less. Yeah, like forty-nine days. Oh now. my
0: god! I gotta stop eating. I'm on camera soon.
2: <laughs> I just gotta starve myself. <laughs> oh, yeah. you just kind of tipped your hand at the exciting news that's coming. Oh, I'm getting a second I don't know. job. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Not joke. Yeah. I'm joking. Uh, local uh, anchorman. Local Matt news. Miller. Yeah, uh, you find me at six, nine, and ten doing the local news here
2: in Joplin. Oh, that uh. that would be on. Um, I would pay for that. We could shoot a demo right? all three of us.
0: <laughs> I want I'll be if the weatherman if you like, have
2: to cut to me. Like if somebody got sick, you know, and it's like, hey, I'll
0: do it. Hey, I'll fill in. I would I would, I would say fuck within the first thirty seconds. <laughs>
2: like, right and easily. Then like,
0: <laughs> well, he's off the air forever.
1: Yeah, technical difficulties.
2: <laughs> when we did the draft, that's all I thought about for the entire week. Oh, right. Yeah. I said, I'm gonna be live and I've never not had like never had a filter ever. Yeah. Doing like, local radio helps. Like,
1: I think everybody was yeah. worried about me and I have probably the best filter I just choose not to use it yeah because you have experience oh yeah I use use that fucking filter every day (laughs) I can just turn it on turn
0: it off whenever mine is terrible (laughs) terrible Uh, even as a parent you would think it would be pretty good it's not it's just (laughs) it's not good all right that's our show we'll be back uh, whatever morning Monday morning I keep forgetting what day it is we'll be back Monday morning breaking down the NFC South should be an exciting one guessing it's a lot of New Orleans Saints talk it will be from my end of the microphone for Mello O'Connor we'll talk to y'all real soon